Awesome. All right, can somebody hold this for me, honey? There you go. All right, man, I'm so excited to preach this message a second time. We had an incredible first service. Place was packed. Couldn't even find a seat in the 930 service. Amazing to see the, the, the growth that, that God is already uh, bringing us. Man, incredible. Because when you do what Jesus tells you to do, you'll find that he shows up. And uh, that's what this morning's uh, sermon is going to be. Uh, the title that I, that I gave it is, The Director Told Me So. That if you're, if you're an actor, you do what the director tells you to do. Uh, you might not understand it all the time. You might think a scene should be done a certain way, but you're not the director. <laughs> you're, you're just playing a role. You're playing a, a, a part in the movie that the director is producing. And so when he tells you to, to look and talk a certain way, you, you, you follow what the director says. So here in this story, we see Jesus directing the disciples. And uh, he's coming into Jerusalem in victory for the first time. He's entering into Holy Week. Uh, he's going to have a, a, a really a, a rough week. He knows it's going to be uh, very challenging with, with the crucifixion and the betrayal and everything that's in front of him. Uh, but this moment is a moment of victory. And uh, I'm going to start reading in Mark chapter 11 and uh, uh, verse 2. And uh, Jesus said to his disciples, go into the village opposite you. And as soon as you have entered it, you will find a colt tied on which no one has sat. Loosen it and bring it. And if anyone says to you, why are you doing this? Say to them, the Lord told me so. And he is in need of it. And immediately he will send it there. So then the disciples, verse 4, went on their way, found the colt tied to the door outside of the street, and they loosened it. But some of those who stood there said to them, what are you doing loosening the cult? And then the disciples spoke to them and said, just as Jesus had told them, and then they let them go. And they brought the cult to Jesus and threw their clothes on it. Um, you could turn your cell phones off, all right? Just BT-dub, all right? You know, uh, we, we don't put that in the video announcement anymore uh, because <laughs> you should get that by now, right? <laughs> All right, but uh, and no condemnation. Jesus loves you even if your cell phone goes off in our church because mine has plenty of times. All right, um, Jesus is coming in in victory. And as you see in, in, in the video and as we read, uh, the, the people were, were saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And that word Hosanna, we sing songs about it, but what it, what it means is save us now. And the, these people who were, who were saying and yelling Hosanna uh, were, were members of the Jewish community who have been under uh, really some, some, some persecution and the bondage of foreign rule for years and, and centuries. They, they have been under oppression and they have been praying, God, send us a savior. Send us a deliverer who, who, can, who can save us from this persecution that we're under. And, and as Jesus comes, he came to save them, but he just didn't come to save them the way that they expected to be saved. And, and I, I felt, you know what, that, that is something that, that we experience all the time. You know, miscommunication. We think that, that somebody is, is telling you to do one thing and then you do something completely opposite because certain phrases or certain words to different people can mean different things. 
And, and I, I could go so many different ways with this. I, I was, you know, just talking with Diamond about, you know, times when, when did, did you ever tell me anything and, and I misunderstood it? She's like, yeah, every day that ends in Y, pretty much. And, you know, especially like, like my, my problem, any husbands really struggle at grocery stores? Any, any men? Oh my God, I'm the only one. God, you guys are, are liars. You're sinners. You're horrible people leaving your pastor up here. You just polish your halos, all those perfect husbands out there that never make any mistakes and always get everything that your wife tells you to get, the 15 lemons and the, the four pieces of, you know, tomatoes and this and that. Well, I, I, I'm terrible. I always mess one thing up, you know, and I always say that I got everything else, but I, yeah, I, I forgot, you know, the, the, the one thing that I messed up on this week was the, the asparagus. And, and it, I, and the, the, the other one was the zucchini. And I'm, I'm like, I had to ask somebody, what does a zucchini look like? And I'm like, that's not, a, that's a cucumber. Like, no, that's a zucchini. I'm like, it looks just like a cucumber to me, you know? And, and so I, I just, I'm wandering in the, you know, um, uh, department looking for vegetables and, and then the asparagus. And I asked the guy, where's the asparagus? And he goes, oh, one of our most popular items is the canned asparagus. So I went and got the canned asparagus. I thought I was doing like something amazing, like asking for help because I don't know everything. And I asked for help and the guy says, get the canned asparagus, brought the canned asparagus home. And it was a nightmare. I got berated, but it was delicious. I'll be honest, you know, like the canned asparagus, not bad at ShopRite. Not a bad thing. All right. I know it sounds disgusting, but I actually enjoyed it. Uh, and, and then, you know, I thought even back further, uh, to, to moments where there was some miscommunication or you thought things were going to be done one way and they were done another way. Uh, in 2007, I uh, had my first Valentine's Day with Diamond. And she was living in Los Angeles and uh, I was living in Baltimore. And at, at that time, I wanted to do something really special for Diamond. And so I told her, I said, honey, this is going to be the greatest Valentine's Day of your life. And, and I'm, I'm going I'm to send you the most special gift that you are going to blow everybody else away at the LA Dream Center. And they're all going to be jealous of you because you have the best boyfriend in all of the campus. And Valentine's Day came. And everybody was getting their flowers, chocolates. One person got a pony. No, I made that up. I don't think anybody got a pony. But... <laughs> I did see on, on Instagram one time someone got, gave a pony for Valentine's Day. I'm like, that, that's terrible. You just make us all look horrible. I hate that, you know. Um, don't do that. So everyone's getting all the, their great presents for Valentine's Day, and Diamond didn't get anything. Nothing came in the mail. And she was frustrated. She was angry. And, and she was calling me nonstop to, to try and call me like, like, I want to talk to you on Valentine's Day. But I wasn't answering the phone, was I? It was going right to voicemail. And she's furious. She's angry. What is this special thing? I got nothing. And everybody's laughing at me. Everyone's enjoying their chocolates and their flowers and showing them off. And I have nothing to show for. Little did she know that the reason I wasn't answering my cell phone was because I was on a six-hour red-eye flight from Beemore to L.A. so I could spend three amazing hours with her in L.A. And then I had to fly all the way back to Baltimore so I could play in a baseball game against Georgetown the next day. And, I, man, when I came in that door, you know, she just, the look, and it was amazing. It was the first time I ever told her that I loved her. And, and the, the rest is history. It was. <laughs> Thank you.
But it didn't happen the way she thought it was. You know, you're going to do something special for me, but it wasn't the way she expected. The reason I said that story is because as we read this passage in the book of Mark, these Jewish believers thought that Jesus was going to come with lightning bolts in his eyeballs. And the Messiah was going to wipe out all of the Roman oppression that they were under, that he was going to sit on the throne of Rome, and he was going to uh, just, just wipe out and kill everyone that was against the people of God. But they didn't realize that Jesus wasn't going to uh, have victory by wiping people out, but he was going to have victory by laying down his own life so that the world may have salvation. That he didn't just come for the Jews, he came to save the world. And they didn't, they didn't understand that. And, and when Jesus came riding in on the donkey, they thought that he was going to save them a particular way. And I thought, how often in our life do we think that Jesus should save us one way? And we pray prayers, God, get, get, give me this job. God, I, I, I need you to wipe out this person out of my life. Just take them down. Just, just give them, you know, you know malaria or something. Like, like just, just take them out. I, like, and, and God's like, no, no, you're, you need to pray that my will be done in your life. You need to pray, God, fulfill your purpose in my life. God, give me the strength to lay down my will so I could pick up the calling that you have for my life. When Jesus was riding on that donkey, he wasn't riding on a donkey because he thought it was cute. He wasn't riding on a donkey because he got a, a better deal on a donkey than he would have on a horse. And he was trying to be economical because he took the financial peace course. And it says, if you have a good deal, take the good deal. And that was the reason why he was riding on a donkey. That wasn't the reason. The reason was that centuries before, a prophet by the name of Zechariah prophesied that the Messiah was going to come into Jerusalem in victory riding on a donkey. And the reason he did that is because he wanted to do the will of the Father. Above anything else, I want to do what the Father, what the director told me to do. And I love how it was a donkey. I love how God used a donkey. And, and, and if you have a King James Version Bible, uh, anybody still read that? A couple people, very spiritual people read the King James Bible. Um, I do not, but I do know that in the King James Bible, um, instead of a donkey, they call it an ass. Because an ass is a donkey if you read the King James Version of the Bible. And when I read that, getting ready for this sermon, I thought, man, you know what? God is so awesome that he could even use somebody who acts like an ass. Not, 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 not that kind. I'm, I'm talking about a donkey, all right? Same thing, all right? This is what it says in the Bible, so don't judge me. Don't polish your halos or anything. Because you could be that stubborn person. You could be that selfish, stubborn person that always wants to do what you want to do, that thinks you're right all the time, that donkey, that ass. But you know what? God says, I could use you anyhow. Some of you, you wives, just hit your husband, say he's preaching to you right now, that God could use you as stubborn and as selfish as you are. God has a plan and a calling for your life because he came riding in on a donkey. I'm not the cursing pastor, right? Right, Sandy? That's, that's okay. I, I got this sermon approved by the elders before I preach it this morning. But God could use you even when you're stubborn and even when you're selfish. And so Jesus tells these disciples to do something 
very bizarre. He says to them, I want you to go untie this donkey. And if anybody gives you any problems, tell them that Jesus told you to do that. And so the disciples just walk up to this, this, this donkey. It's the first donkey that they see. And, and they start stealing the donkey. Like, what? I mean, it would be easier if the verses were switched and Jesus said, all right, go up to somebody, let him know that Jesus needs the donkey and that he's going to bring it back uh, in, in just a few minutes. He needs to use this for his, you know, to fulfill a prophecy, to, to ride in victoriously. But it doesn't do, do that. He says, go get the donkey. And if anybody says anything to you, let him know that I need that donkey. This is like a bizarre request. This is strange. But I, I found that Jesus asks us to do strange things at times. He, he asks us to to, to go ahead and be obedient in areas that other people may find bizarre and weird and crazy. But Jesus told me so. I know I don't feel like it, but Jesus told me so. I know other people are telling me that it's not working in my life and I need to try something new. Maybe I need to try a different religion or I need to try a, a different self-help book that Jesus really isn't the one. Uh, but you know what? Even though it's not working, I know that there's something working within me because Jesus told me so. And so many people will try and talk you out of doing God's will for your life. So many people will try and talk you out of doing what God has asked you to do. Now, the first thing I want to say is that a lot of people will do things in the name of God that don't align with his scriptures. And the first thing that I want to say is God will never ask you to do anything that is against his script that he's already written for you. Because there'll be a lot of weird, crazy people who will do evil things in the name of God, but that is not God's will. That is them doing their selfish will and then putting the God card on it. Those people drive me crazy because they give us such a bad name and a bad rap, but God will never ask you to do anything that is against his script. Also, I, I want to say, you know, uh, people will, <laughs> Diamond was telling me that when she was at the LA Dream Center, that there was this, this one guy that went up to her and said, God told me that I'm going to marry you. BT Dub, if anybody ever says that to you in this church, report that to me and run screaming in the other direction. Because if that's not confirmed with you, then that person is, you know, got, got some, some weird intentions because God will never ask somebody to do anything that is against his script. And people will try and manipulate that many times in their life. I thought about also how God will never ask you to do anything that you're not capable of doing. Because he picked you for this part. The director chose you for this life, chose you for this role, and you're capable and able to do what he's asking you to do. There's a scripture in John that says, For I did not choose you, but God, you chose me. God chose you. God created you with a specific purpose and a specific calling that even when you don't feel capable within yourself, that when you step out in faith, God will take care of the rest. And I, I thought about how in this passage they asked Jesus and they got him a donkey that had never been ridden before. That nobody had ever ridden this donkey before. And I thought that's because God always tells us to do things that have never been done before. That he never calls us to, to repeat history. He calls us to make history. 
And God wants to do something special and unique in your life that's different from anybody else's life. I was watching one of my favorite movies uh, this week, and uh, to be honest, I, I cried. Oh my God, I cried so much. Uh, it was the movie Field of Dreams. You never, anyone ever seen Field of Dreams? Oh my gosh. I mean, I mean this, there was a scene at the end where he has like a catch with his dad, and I was just like, like uncontrollably like crying, you know what I mean? It just like hit me, and then Lily was in the room with me, and uh, she's like, just she was so sweet. She's giving me love, and, and she's like, you miss Pop Bob? I'm like, yeah, I miss Pop Bob. I miss my dad. She's like, that's okay. Daddy's in heaven. We're going to see him again. That's okay, Daddy. And I'm like, God, my girl is awesome. What an encourager. Uh, but, the, but this movie, you know, struck a, a really tender chord with me because I, I saw how God will speak to you to do something that doesn't make a whole lot of sense to other people. Doesn't make a whole lot of sense to your family members sometimes. Doesn't make a whole lot of sense to your coworkers at times. And, and the story is, is about this guy, uh, Kevin Costner. And Kevin Costner, he um, um, hears this voice in the cornfield. And the voice in the cornfield says, that was the most unenthusiastic voice I ever heard in my life. I want you to talk to me like you mean what you're saying. And the voice said, build it and he will come. And, and what, what the, the voice that was referring to was obviously building this baseball field in his backyard that made no sense. The whole neighborhood would crowd around and make fun of him and laugh at him. And, and as he built this baseball field, something incredible happened. The uh, members of the 1919 Black Sox championship team who was banned from baseball, Shoeless Joe Jackson, the whole crew came out of the cornfield and the, the looks on their faces were just incredible incredible as they saw this field that this man had built for them so that they could play the game that they loved so much that was taken away from them when they were younger. And I thought, man, that's what I want this church to be. I want this church so bad to be a place where people have felt banned from their dreams, banned from life, that because of the mistakes that they've made in their past or, or, or a label that a world has put on them that, that God can't use you, God doesn't love you, that I want to build a church where people could come in the doors with a smile on their face and say, man, this is a place I could dream again. This is a place where I could hear from God again in my life that won't judge me, that won't look down on at me, that I may have been banned by some other groups of people, but not in the church of Jesus Christ. I want this to be a church that people could see their dreams restored. But that's not what, what happened. What happened was uh, later on, J James Earl Jones got involved. Anyone love James Earl Jones? Uh, he, was, he was Darth Vader. Remember Darth Vader? Yeah, he was, my diamond just, she had no idea. That's amazing. You had no idea? Yeah, remember? Remember? I am your father, right? That was James Earl Jones. Not in the, in the mass, just the voice of, of James Earl Jones. And, and James Earl Jones gets involved in, in, in this, whole, this whole scene. And, and then they're, they're back at the uh, park and he's going bankrupt. He's about to lose his field. He's about to lose everything because he built this baseball field. And Kevin Costner, he made that movie Waterworld. And he's, now he's going bankrupt because that movie was horrible. And, 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 and now like he, he's, he's saying he has to sell the field because he, he has, he's going to lose everything. And then his daughter says these words. If you build it, they will come, Dad. People will come, Dad. 
And, and then James Earl Jones uh, says these incredible words. If, if we get up my, my music, if we could, we could play that for me. That's better. That's good, isn't it? That's good background, right? I feel like I could preach this now. I feel like, like I, I'm James Earl Jones just like coming like right now. Like you don't see Pastor Isaac. You see James Earl Jones right now in the suspenders in the belly, you know, and the voice. All right, you ready for my James Earl Jones impersonation? People will come, Ray. They'll come to Iowa for reasons they can't even fathom. They'll turn into your driveway, not knowing for sure why they're doing it. They'll arrive at your door as innocent as children longing for the past. Of course, we won't mind if you look around, you'll say. All right, I'll just do normal voice. It's getting a little awkward now. It's only $20 per person. For it is money they have, but it is peace they lack. How is that true for so many people? Money they have, but peace they lack. And they'll walk off to the bleachers and sit in their short sleeves on a perfect afternoon and find that they have reserved seats somewhere along the baseline where they sat when they were children and cheered their heroes. And they'll watch the game and it'll be as though they dipped themselves in magic waters. The memories will be so thick that they'll have to brush them away from their faces. People will come, Ray. People will come. And I, I, I read that and I thought, yes, that's the kind of life that I want to live for Jesus. Where when I hear the voice of God, even if it doesn't make sense to most people, I'm going to go after it with all of my might. I'm going to, I'm going to lay down my life to, to fulfill God's will for me because it's not about me. What's it about? It was about restoring these dreams of all these people that, that, that don't have any peace in their life, that have all these broken dreams. And, and this field that you built and you put it all on the line is going to be the conduit that is going to be used to bring them back. And man, that's the life I want to live. I, I never forget... Uh, when I was 25 years old, I was working for a company uh, called Mass Mutual Financial Group. And uh, I, I was doing very well there. I was, I was an associate manager. I was one of the youngest people in the firm. And, and I was doing very well. And I, I, was, I was making a, a decent amount of money for someone who was 25 years old. And, and I'll never forget when uh, Diamond went away on vacation. And uh, it was in the summer. And this is why she doesn't go away on vacation and leaves me home alone anymore. Uh, she, was, she was away, and, and my dad was, was going through some real difficulties in the ministry. And, and I remember being in prayer one night by myself, and I, I, I just felt this leading in my heart that I've never felt this strongly before, to go and, and leave everything and serve my father. And it didn't make any sense whatsoever. I, I mean, it's not why I went to college. I went to college for, for not just four years, but five years. Any five-year college graduates. You know, I went there for five, and, and I, I got this degree, and I'm doing, this is what I worked so hard for. This, this is what I'm building. I'm saving. I'm moving up the ladder. I, I, I put it, but, but, but I, I heard 
from, from God, no, 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 you, 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 need to, you need to go. You need to move. That's not the calling that I have for you. That was for a season, but now it's time to move to, to this new season that I have for you. And, and it didn't make a whole lot of sense, but I, I put that email together, and I, I wrote it very nicely, and I went up and talked to my manager and, and told them I, I, I got I to gotta leave the business, and, and I got to go help serve my dad. I, 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 it doesn't make any sense. It, it, financially, it makes zero sense. I, I, and, and then Diamond comes home from California, and, and she walks in, and, you know, I, I get her bags, and I'm I'm like, Diamond, you're not going to believe this. I heard from the Lord while you were away. I quit my job. I'm going to be in the ministry. I'm going to preach. She's like, you're the worst preacher I've ever heard in my life. No, what are you doing? No, no, but she didn't say that. She said, you know what? If, if, you, if you heard from God and you know that this is the Lord, and I'm with you no matter what. I stand with you. We're going to do this together. And I look back on that, and I, and I look at, at, at you guys and, and the, the, the people that God is bringing to this church, and none of that would have been possible if I didn't listen to the voice of the director, the leading of God to, for me to do something that was crazy, bizarre, didn't make any sense, no sense whatsoever. But yet it was God's will. And when I stepped out in faith, I see now why that moment was so important for my entire family, for the rest of my life, for you guys, for the, all the people that are getting saved under this ministry. And, and what is it that you're holding on to that God is saying, let go of? Because it's your will. It's what you want to do. There's this, this scripture in uh, Luke as Jesus is telling the story. He tells the story of Palm Sunday and Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the Synoptic Gospels. And he, he says Luke talks about it as, as his account. And this is point number four. You might want to write this down. I, I, hope, I hope you don't just try and go off of memory what I say because you have a terrible memory. If you don't write anything down, you're not going to remember anything. And you're wasting your time. Why are you even here? Oh, is that awkward? I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Joe, where's your pen? I know, sorry, not sorry. When you do what Jesus tells you to do, it will be as Jesus tells you it will be. I'll say that one more time. Better to have a short pencil than a long memory. When you do what Jesus tells you to do, it will be as Jesus told you it would be. And a lot of times we hear the voice of God to tell us to do something and, 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 and other people talk us out of it. We talk ourselves out of it and we just miss a great opportunity in order to go on the greatest adventure of our life with God at our side. And, and I thought about some of the biggest decisions that, that God has asked me to make within this church, and, and one of them was two services. One of them was, is what we're doing right now. You know, we, it was very, like, highly debated, and, and we had no idea, you know, like, like, do we need to? It's full, but maybe we should just keep doing it because it's going to put, you know, you know, more stress on, on, on some of the volunteers, and, and it's going to be more expensive, and, and, and it, it might be better to, to just have one full service than two services that aren't really that full. And, 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 and my mom, you know, she, I love my mom. She's, my mom's got my back just so you know, like she's got my back no matter what. My mom's with me no matter what. And she goes to me, she goes, if, if Pastor Isaac says we're going to two services, we're going to two services, all right? That's the, pa we're gonna go to two services. And, and the fir first service, you could even get a seat in here. It was unbelievable. 
And, and I know it's just going to be like a few more months before we're just totally packed out on two services. We're going to have to go to three services. We're going to have to, you know, maybe go to the Asbury Park Convention Hall. Maybe, Jim, do you know anybody? You can hook us up over there. I don't know, Paramount Theater, something. But because when you do what Jesus tells you to do, it will be as he said it would be. And God wants us to, God wants us to reach people. God wants us to reach the lost. God wants us to be able to be a church that people can come to and, and, and restore their dreams once again, a church where they know that they're loved, a church where they could discover their calling. And God wants to use you in order to reach those people out there. Yes, you are getting fed in this church, but you have a mission, a calling to go out and bring people in here, bring them into the kingdom of God. It's not just about you. It's about all the lost, broken people out there that need Jesus so bad. Does that ever bother you? Does that that ever hurt you? Does that ever keep you up at night ever? I know that not having enough money in your, your bank keeps you up all night sometimes, but how about all of the people that are going to hell because they don't know Jesus? Does that ever like bother you? Do you ever think about that? And, and yet we look at our own self so selfishly when we have a calling on our life to go out and reach the lost. And all you have to do is just take an invitation and put it in their hand and say, this place is going to inspire you and encourage you. I hope you feel comfortable to invite people to this church. I don't know too many churches that are more comfortable for somebody to invite to church than our church. I mean, the music is fantastic. The seats are comfortable. It's on Cookman Avenue, for goodness sake. You could go take them out to Tallulah's afterwards and just wine and dine them. But before that, they're going to be inspired by Jesus, and you have to move. You have to move. Why wouldn't you? Because you're going to be dead one day. I know, I know, I don't mean to get morbid, but sometimes I get like this, but, but God, you're, you're not going to be around anymore. The only thing that matters, the legacy that you leave, all it takes is putting an invitation in someone's hand, inviting them. All right, I'm done. Are you guys comfortable? Did I make you too uncomfortable? All right, I close with this, and then, and then I'm done. Worship team, you guys, if you come up. <clears throat> What do you do when you listen to what the director said and you don't see any results? This is probably one of the hardest things that I've ever had to do in ministry, I've had to do in life, is, is when I'm obedient and do what the director tells me to do and I don't see any results right away. Because God will ask us to do some crazy outlandish things that you could always come up with a reason why it doesn't make sense it's inconvenient it doesn't work for you you're too young you're too old you're too this you're too that what will this person think and and God says I don't care it's not about you it's about my will for your life you know and, and I remember like probably the craziest story I could think of Noah's Ark was pretty crazy I'll be honest that one's crazy uh, but the one that really got me was the uh, the walls of Jericho Walls of Jericho, that story, if you have a chance, Joshua chapter 6. I mean, it will just blow your mind how much faith this guy could have to do what the director asked him to do when it makes no sense whatsoever. You know, from a military strategy, walk around the walls. All right, and then what? And then they're just going to fall down. You know, it's like, it's like, it's like giving, like, uh, you know, give and it shall be given unto you. That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> I'm giving, I'm losing. No, but by losing, 
I'm going to add, because the cross is an addition sign, not a subtraction sign. And whatever you give into the kingdom of God is not going to take away from your life. It's going to add to your life. It's going to add righteousness. It's going to add peace. It's going to add joy. It's going to add prosperity. It's going to add relationships that matter. It's going to add to the kingdom of God. And so he says to Joshua, uh, I want you to, to, to walk around these walls seven times. And, and he says, I'm going to give you this city. I'm going to give this city to you. But Joshua says, but I still see the walls. And I thought how so many people, you hear a sermon on a Sunday, and you hear God's promise over your life, but you go home, and it doesn't line up with what the pastor said. What you see doesn't line up with what God said. So what do you do when, you know, the pastor talks about how God is a healer, and then you go to the doctor and you're still sick? You know, what do you do when, the, when you read the, the Bible that says, he shall give me a garment of praise for a spirit of heaviness, but I go home still heavy. I go home still depressed. I go home still anxious. I go home still suffering. And, 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 then, and then the self-condemnation comes on us because we think it's something that we're doing wrong. And, and, and what do you do in those moments? I, and, and this is one of the most challenging things as a Christian, but it's the, the crux of what we do. You know, Joshua didn't see any progress, but he still walked. Like, you don't see any progress. What do you do? You change it up. You try something else. You know, I see it happen to people all the time, like in the gym. Anyone go to the gym here? This is not a very in-shape congregation that we have at Short Christian Church. We got a lot of lazy sloths. Uh, <laughs> Myself included, sorry. <laughs> but that's what we, like, we go to the gym and, and we, we expect progress right away. And so we don't see the progress. So we think it must not be working. It's just genetics, just the way I am. I'm just always going to be this way. It doesn't matter what I do. And so we give up. And, 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 and yet, uh, I love what Joshua did is he, he said, I'm going to be faithful to what God asked me to do, even when it doesn't seem like it's working. I'm going to keep praying even when I still see the problems in my life. I'm going to keep pushing even when nothing is falling down because I know that God's word is the final word. I know that he's a good God. And he began a good work in me and he will be faithful to complete it is what his, his word says. So I'm going to be faithful in this and, and I'm going to keep walking around these walls even though I don't understand what's happening. Yeah, I'm going to keep praying for my kids even though they're God, they're acting just insane, and, but yet I'm, I'm still going to believe and speak life over them because God has a plan for them, and his word is greater than anybody else's word. He made them. He put something special inside of them. So even when I don't see any progress, I'm going to keep praying. I'm going to keep praising. I'm going to keep believing. Even when I don't see any progress at work and my boss is still crazy and he gives me a hard time, I'm going to still be a good worker. I'm going to still be faithful and believe that God is going to open up a new door for me. I'm not going to get cynical. I'm not just going to give up. I'm not going to try and tear down other people. I'm just going to be faithful in what God has asked me to do and believe that his word will have the last word in my life. I'm going to keep walking. I'm going to keep worshiping even when I don't feel like it. Even when I don't know the words to the song, I'm just going to say, God, I love you. I'm so thankful for this life that you've given me. Even though I, I still have problems, I know that this is an opportunity for you to work in my life. Am I preaching okay? I, I hope you're getting this. I hope you're just not sitting there like, 
Oh, this is another sermon telling me I need to be. Come on. All right, last thing, I promise. Can you stand to your feet if you're able to right now? It, this is the part about the story of Joshua that, that got me so bad. Is God tells Joshua, I want you to walk around these walls seven times. And after the seventh time on the seventh day, then you're going to shout and the walls are going to come tumbling down. Sounds easy, right? You ever like see somebody that does something and it, it looks so easy for them? Like, man, they're an overnight success. Amazing. No, they're not. You have no idea. People look at Joshua. What an overnight success he was. No, he, he wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. And then finally, he gets to go in and fight a battle for the Lord. And then the Lord tells him, no, I don't want you to throw a punch. I want you to just walk around these walls. And, and, and see, you don't know what somebody goes through. We see the blessings of God, but we don't see the trials that they went through in order to produce the blessings that they're experiencing today. And when Joshua goes and talks to his people, he says, all right, guys, this is what we're going to do. We're going to walk around the walls, period. <laughs> okay. All right. Great. Let's do it. All right. So we're, we're going into battle today. All right. What are we going to do? We're going to walk around the walls. Like imagine coming home that day if you were like one of the warriors and, and your wife asks you, what did you do today? You know, any, any husbands ever get that from their wives? You know, but really they want to tell you what they did that day. And so you, <laughs> all right, I'll stop. I'm sorry. <laughs> What'd you do today? Oh, we, uh, we walked around the walls. Got some good exercise. What? What'd you do the next day and the next day and the next day? And, the, and like, how long are we going to do this? Because they didn't know how long it was going to take. Because God's promises are open-ended. God doesn't give you a date. All right, this is the day of my deliverance. <laughs> no. <laughs> he says, just walk. Just be faithful. Because your job is just to be obedient. My job is the results. Your job is to walk. My job is to bring the walls down. And some of you, you are beginning to get frustrated because you are walking and not seeing any progress. And I wish I had a better sermon for you, but the truth of the matter is God wants you just to keep walking. Just keep going. Every single morning, wake up that morning and say, today is the day that finally that person receives my forgiveness. That finally today is that day where I get that new promotion. Today is that day that I am healed. And I'm going to wake up every single morning and believe that today is that day my husband finally listens to what I say. Today is that day. And you know what? One day, you're going to be right. But if you stop walking... And you never can see the possibilities of what God could do. Amen. Amen. Let's bow our heads right now and...
and just take a moment. We're, we're going to pray and close out in just a second, but just take a moment to, to worship God right now in his presence. Lead us, Erwin. Mercy is falling, falling. Lift up your hands, receive it now. Here in the presence of the Lord, mercy is falling, falling. Lift up your hands, receive it now. Here in the presence of the Lord, I know your past is broken. You can move on, it's over now. Here in the presence of the Lord, I know your past is broken you can move on it's over now right here in the presence of the lord tired of running running be still and know he's in control here in the presence of the Lord, pour out your heart before Him. Open your arms, He'll hold you now. Here in the presence of the Lord. Pour out your heart before Him. Open your arms, He'll hold you now. Here in the presence When Jesus was on the cross, one of the thieves next to him said, if you're Jesus, if this is really you, then I want you to just call on angels and just, just get yourself out of this mess because it looks so ridiculous what you're doing. If you're really the son of God, this is ridiculous what you're putting yourself through. And, and Jesus wasn't doing it because it felt good or it felt comfortable or it was what he wanted to do. It wasn't, that had nothing to do with it. It didn't matter what, what Jesus wanted to do. The only thing that mattered is what the director asked him to do. When he was in the garden, what did he, he say? He said, take this cup from me, but not my will, but yours be done. He didn't want to have to go through that. And there's a lot of things that you don't want to have to go through. And, and you're, you're questioning God, and we all do it. We all get in that moment where we feel like, like what, what is in this for me? 
What's, when, when is it going to be me time? When is this going to be my opportunity? And, and, and God's answer isn't always one that we want, but it's my will for your life, not yours. And Jesus knew what got him through the cross was because he knew that on the other side of the cross and the pain and the agony was a resurrection. And that's our faith. And you may be in a cross season right now, but you have to hold on to the promise that there's a resurrection on the other side of my agony. That, that there is a triumph on the other side of the sorrow that I'm facing in my life right now. And I'm not going to stop in the middle. I'm going to keep walking. I'm going to keep serving. I, I, I know that people are telling me that I'm crazy, but you know what? The director told me so. So I'm going to keep loving. I'm going to keep forgiving. I'm going to keep serving. I'm going to keep inviting. I'm going to keep living for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I'm going to keep raising up my children in the way that they should go. I'm going to keep loving my husband. I'm going to keep loving my wife. I'm going to keep serving. I'm going to keep believing that today is the day that God is going to break through for me because I know that there's a resurrection on the other side for me. So let's just bow our heads. Father, I thank you for this morning, Lord God. Give us the faith to keep walking. Give us the faith to step out in this moment, Lord God. And Father, I, I pray for anyone in here that is, is in a season of walking right now. I pray, Father, that your word will walk with them home, that your spirit will walk with them into their house, to the job tomorrow, Lord God, into the argument, into the conflict, into the suffering, and that they will be able to have peace in the midst of a storm, Lord God. For your word says that this peace I give you so that your joy may be full. Overflow us this morning in Jesus' name. And everybody says amen. amen. Give the Lord a hand clap if you would this morning. Amen. God bless you guys so much for, for coming here this morning. If you need prayer for anything in your body, uh, we have our elders and leadership here to pray for you. If you want to receive communion, uh, we have a place where you could receive communion on my right. Uh, if not, God bless you. We will see you next uh, Sunday for Easter Sunday. Uh, bring some people with you. We're going to have a great celebration. God bless.